This is Baja SAE Shop Talk, the official podcast of the Baja SAE series. Hey everyone, welcome back to the sixth episode of Shop Talk, the official podcast of Baja SAE. I'm your host, Amanda Petrikowski, University Program Developer at SAE International. On this episode, we'll be recapping the second competition of the 2016 season. We headed to the California high desert for the first time since the 1980s. A first-year organizing team, a first-year site, a game-time decision on the hill climb event. But by all accounts, this was one for the history books. We spoke to Bob Seckler, manager of the Collegiate Design Series, about this competition being what we've described as, quote, a real Baja race. Well, it is. It's in the tradition of Baja. You know, back east, we don't have a lot of sand and rocks we're running through. This is out in, well, we're near desert conditions, but, uh, you know, the course is built into the natural terrain. Uh, You're out in the elements here with the dust and dirt and wind. And so in in the truest sense, you know, in the fashion like the Baja 1000, uh, we're we're out here in a true desert condition. So it's kind of good to get back to our roots. A true Baja race it was came to be as part of the Baja SAE series as a direct result of Baja grads making it happen. One of the coolest parts of Baja is that we have so many graduates returning across the board from tech inspectors to event captains. We spoke to Max Mitchell, Cal Poly Pomona grad and suspension event captain about being back on his home turf in California. It feels really good. Uh, I think probably the one comment everyone always used to ask me when I was on the team is, when is Baja going to go to California? I think they see a lot of videos online, you know, of the desert races. They see a lot of that stuff, you know, off-roading, which is, you know, a very large aspect of recreation down here a lot of people you know buy razors they go to glamis or pismo or out here in gorman there's a huge area so a lot of people for a long time you know not just faculty or sae people but students as well have wanted to be out here they wanted to be in the desert you know and this is real baja this is the real deal and they want to you know a piece of it that they can claim you know we conquered you know the Baja of Southern California, not just I drove through some trees or something, which is still fun, but, you know, it's not the same. Uh, Like another thing, especially like out here, we have rattlesnakes, which I think is something we don't commonly run into in other areas. You know, we see a lot of wildlife, but out here, you know, we've definitely got weather and some wildlife that we don't see elsewhere. So it gives it a unique, um, you know, aspect to it. That, That little bit of danger. A little bit of danger, yeah. You know, and I hope our courses, you know, are, uh, you know, good enough for everybody. Hope they're not too dangerous either, but I think they're going to be exciting. They're going to be fun. And, you know, we didn't want to go too overboard either. You know, the the whole SVRA crew up here at Hungry Valley, they've been great to work with. And they've been awesome. Every time we need something, they're more than willing to get for us. And even offer, like, suggestions. I know the, the tractor operator has been out here every morning before I open the gate. And he's adding stuff to it that we didn't even think was possible just because he, he likes doing this so much. He's excited for us. I love it. You know, I definitely would love to come to more of these and be more involved. I think it's if this California, you know, committee sticks around and we start coming here more often, I think that's only going to benefit everyone else in the long run. Max mentioned the unique weather. How many of you packed expecting the heat? Well, you were wrong. The temperatures were cool and the wind wasn't unbearable, but the tech line was long. Our very own podcast guru, Mike Sorg, spoke to Adam Huseman, lead tech inspector for this competition, about what he was seeing in tech that was causing the delays. 
I think the biggest thing is a lot of teams complain about the speed of tech inspection. And basically is there's two parts of tech inspection. There's one, the preparedness of the teams. So a lot of the teams are not coming with their documentations ready. They're not filled out by their advisors. They're not signed by their team captains. Uh, teams aren't reviewing the check sheets prior to themselves. We put all that out there because that's the exact same documentation we're looking at in tech. If they go through those items and they feel that they meet all the requirements, most likely they're going to flow through tech. You know, we're not here to penalize anybody. We want them to succeed. We want everybody to be safe on the track and everybody to have a good day. And nothing should be a surprise. Everything's out there, right? Yeah, everything's out there. If they have any questions, they can contact us through the, the questions forums. They can ask other competitors. Uh, we try to post after each event kind of the typical black flags that we're black flagging. You know, we collect all that data. Engineers are driven by data. We're trying to get the data to the customers or, or the the teams that are coming so they understand what's happened at the last event, what the common failures are, and hopefully they can improve their vehicle and, and be ready for tech. Are you seeing certain things coming through better than Tennessee, worse than Tennessee? Actually, we, it looks like, you know, we posted after Tennessee, we posted about helmets, uh, we posted about the fasteners for fire extinguishers. I don't think we've had one problem with fire extinguishers here, uh, using the wrong fasteners. Uh, we're still having some issues with helmets. Uh, teams aren't coming prepared with their 2010 Snell stickers, so they need to remember to open their helmet up and actually look inside for the hologram sticker that says Snell 2010. Um, a lot of helmet manufacturers will put on the back of the helmet, hey, this is Snell approved. Well, if they don't have that holographic sticker, they haven't actually submitted the test reports to prove out that the helmet is certified. And that's what we're looking for. So they need to make sure that they're getting the most updated helmets. So either a 2010 or a 2015 is approved. Are they mislabeling these when, when you're getting helmets? Or is it just that uh, it, it hasn't gone through the exact approval that you guys are looking for? It hasn't gone through the exact approval. So a, t uh, a company can produce a helmet and test it, and they can say it's Snell approved. Mm -hmm. But they don't necessarily submit all the paperwork to Snell. So what happens is they're paying Snell to say, hey, look, my helmet met your certification, and Snell then transfers them the holographic stickers. Uh, same thing with SFI. We're still having issues with SFI. A lot of teams are complaining to us. We're actually talking with the SFI board about it. Um, uh, several years ago, the SFI changed their regulations where they took the date codes off of the stickers, and, or not stickers, but the sewed-on labels, and now the a lot of manufacturers are forgetting to put the data manufacturing in. So we take examples from every event. We take pictures. We submit that back to SFI. We explain the situation that's happened to our people here. But it's the important thing is the team can, before they come to us, look at their safety equipment. If it says SFI rated, look for the data manufacturing. That's what makes it SFI rated. Just because it says SFI rated doesn't mean it's – the regulation says it has to have that data manufacturing on it. Anything else is sticking out from this time around? I think the big thing is I was surprised. We've had a lot of teams come up just not prepared. Um, you know, I, I know the tech line is long. A lot of teams are waiting hours to get into tech. And then the first thing we ask them as soon as they roll in the tent is, are all your drivers here? Do they have their, their uh, frame inspection sheets? Do they have their weld samples? And I'd say 20 to 30% of the team's like, oh, i got to go get my drivers. Hold on a second. Oh, oh, I don't have this filled out. i got to go get this paperwork. And I'm like, you've just been sitting in line for an hour and a half, and then you get here and you don't have your paperwork? And that slows everything down. You know, I know a lot of teams, as I said, get frustrated with the speed of tech, but we're here. We want teams to get through, but they need to help us. If they can help us, we can help them. All of our tech inspectors take time out of their, their jobs and their life to come do this. Many of us, I've been doing this for 18 years. I mean, a lot of people feel that uh, tech is supposed to, you know, that we're trying to go after the students. We're really not. 
you know, we started to get involved in this to help the students have a better experience. And actually, I'd really like for more people to get involved to help make it easier for the future students. You know, we have a lot of people say, hey, I want to get involved. I want to make it better. And then they go into the real world and they get a job and we never see them again. You know, a lot of us, we put a lot of hours back into this so the students can have a better experience. So a lot of students come by and they thank us and it's nice. Other students just yell at us and it's like, they think I'm here and I want them not to compete, but that's not the case. <laughs> but students that come out of this get into jobs into this going through this kind of approval process is kind of like what you're going to see on the real world a little bit right oh yeah i mean i work at honda manufacturing of alabama i'm a project manager there paperwork is the utmost important thing uh the last year i launched the 2016 honda pilot uh, we actually had several instances where we had some paperwork that didn't get through the system in time, and we almost didn't have parts to build our prototype cars. We would have lost millions of dollars. You know, a lot of team people here are like, oh, man, it's just paperwork. Why is that important? Well, why why do I have the material certs? Why do I got to check that? And I'm like, those are all things that are important in the real world. I mean, the design is one thing, but it's making sure you have all the parts, making sure everything's signed off and dotted and your T's are crossed. That's really what is important to the government when we're submitting certification paperwork. All of that stuff's important. That's what we're trying to teach you here. I mean, yeah, you could say, yeah, I did it, but you have to show me the documentation. You know, we're not being hard on you. It's how real, real life is. You know, your boss doesn't always believe, hey, I did my job. You know, he wants to see the test reports or he wants to see it, and it gets filed away because you never know when there's going to be a warranty claim or a customer complaint or something comes back where you got to pull that report out and see, you know, what exactly happened on those days. So it's a good life lesson I think these students are learning. The hard way, unfortunately, that paperwork's important. You know, if you want to be a top 10 team, it's all aspects. It's a good design, good manufacturing. It's good paperwork, making sure you've submitted all your documents on time, making sure that they're completely filled out, that you come prepared. You know, the cars, you know, that have good fit and finish, good high-end, you know, taking the time to, you know, do all the little things, it just makes things go that much faster. When people come through and they're still thrashing and there's just wire just hanging out all over the car, you know, you're like, oh, you know, you kind of cringe a little bit, you know, come on guys, you can get through this, you know, just a few more hours, you know, and there's a big difference. You, it's amazing sometimes the cars that come through tech on day one and cars that come through de- tech on day two, you know, the cars that come through tech for the first time on day two, we really wish they would have come through tech on day one. Even if you're not prepared, the best thing you can do is come through tech let us look at the car and, and give you a hit list versus you guys spending all day and then showing up and seeing us at, on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. And basically, if we find anything wrong, you're, you're done. You don't have time to recover. Where if you would have come through that morning or the day before and you had that hit list, now you're attacking the thing. So it's very important to come prepared. Nope, I just hope everyone's having a great time out there. You know, we're here. We want everybody to have fun. We want them to compete well. We can do this. I'll go ahead and add one more thing to Adam's comments. Print out your tech sheet before you arrive at competition. So many teams this past competition didn't have them printed out when they arrived on site. It's a simple task that takes just a few seconds that can save you a lot of time and stress at competition. The only thing that was more epic than the event t-shirts was the hill climb. The locals affectionately refer to it as the Himalaya. When we arrived on Tuesday, Sarah and I tried to climb the hill climb, but the dirt was too loose. We couldn't even make it past the gate. When teams began to arrive on Wednesday, the decision wasn't made. We didn't know which hill climb we were going to be using, the Himalaya or a backup secondary hill climb that was much smaller. We spoke to organizer Joe Batwinis about how that decision came to be made. 
Yeah, so the hill climb, we, we have this gigantic hill on site called the Himalaya, is what they call it here on site. And it's about 300 feet long, and the grade is pretty significant. So we had a lot of discussions as to whether or not it would even be possible to do the, the Himalaya as our hill climb event. Back in September or so, we had a, a first site visit where we brought out, uh, I think it was an old Cal Poly Pomona car. And we had that run. Oh, I'm sorry, it was a UCLA car, last year, a couple of years old. And we had them run it. And without any prep, it was able to go like 75% of the way, and it was pretty beat up at that time. Uh, you know, old car. And then a few months later, we came back out, and we were like, okay, let's really double-check this. And we had three more cars, three more old cars. Uh, and none of them got more than 10 feet, which was discouraging because <laughs> we thought this worked. That started the discussion of like, okay, well, what do we do if this doesn't work? So we, we found some backup hills on site that we might be able to use. And we even went so far as to make signs for the backup hill uh, coming into the event because obviously signs have lead time. So we, uh, we had all these signs made, different event maps, different uh, event boards that had all these different signs for uh, the secondary hill in addition to the primary hill. And uh, so then we got here and we just figured we'd just make the call on site. So... We got here and we did a lot of track prep, a lot of track prep. We ran an old Cal Poly Pomona car and it got like 75% of the way. So we just rolled with it and said, it's called it good. Come day of the event, we had two cars make it all the way to the top. One of them did it twice. So three complete runs, that's, that's not bad. That's, that's a pretty good target for a hill climb event because it really stacks the field score wise. Two teams were able to scale the Himalaya, and we spoke to those drivers about how they managed to do what no other teams could. First up, the University of Michigan Ann Arbor. Um, let's see, to try to go in as straight of a line as possible, so picking a nice line all the way up the hill, uh, making sure we made the turn at the top, accelerating through the photo gates at the finish, and then not uh, jumping off the top of the hill. Next up, we spoke to the driver for Universidad de La Salle, who managed to make it up the hill climb twice. Just keep going upstairs. I don't know. I'm trusting my team. I trust in my faculty. and I know the car can, so I just keep going up. Have you liked the, uh, the Baja here in California? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> awesome. Anything else you want to add? No, just uh, keep going and improvement the next year for our better results. Pretty impressive, ladies. We're going to be releasing a hill climb compilation video on Facebook. Make sure you check it out this week. The event culminated in the four hours of dust that is known as the endurance race. Plenty of teams needed some assistance, but most kept their wheels on the ground. We wrapped up the event by talking to program manager Sam Barrill and organizer Joe Batwinis about how the event went. First up is Sam. It went very well. Uh, this was a first-time organizer. It was a first-time site. They come with unique circumstances, but I'll tell you what, this was a wow event for SAE and for all the students. They brought together a good group of people, and I think it went quite well. Awesome. Yeah, this was a, uh, it's a California State Park. It is a, uh, a motocross. They can use any type of vehicles from uh, four-wheelers to motorcycles to uh, ATVs. It is a park that normally is uh, not used in the manner we used it, but it really brought together the Baja SAE spirit and came with sun and wind and everything a Baja is supposed to be. The terrain is a, a natural terrain. We're out here in the mountains. Uh, we've got the yucca plants. We've got rattlesnakes. We had red racer snakes, uh, but the teams and everybody pulled together. Uh, lots of rocks. The organizers here did a great event as far as putting together tough but fair uh, events. I just want to thank everybody, uh, make sure the teams uh, 
our thank. They do a wonderful job. And, of course, we have uh, the organizers and volunteers came out here uh, out to the Hungry Valley site and did an amazing job putting it together. We second the shout-out to the park staff who were amazing all weekend long. They really helped us with the one thing that maybe needs some work before next year. Joe mentions that in this clip here. Mostly surprised at how smoothly everything ended up going. Um, The only major fire we had was that we didn't have enough portable toilets to support all the spectators that we didn't anticipate showing up. Uh, So we knew that we had a a built-in audience, so to speak, with all of the local California schools. One of the reasons we wanted to do this event in the first place was there are lots of local schools from either California or Nevada or Arizona. I think there's, I think there were 17 or more registered from just those three states um, that were coming. So all of those schools have a built-in spectating presence. And I, I guess a lot of them showed up because we really weren't uh, anticipating that. We're looking forward to doing it again next year. So uh, we'll be back again next year at the same site, uh, I think the last weekend in April. So it should be good. Thank you to all of the volunteers, sponsors, and students who made this event happen. We certainly loved it and we're excited to be heading back next year. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check out the Baja SA California video on Facebook, which became the top viewed video in CDS history with nearly 20,000 views. Also, congratulations to overall winners, University of Michigan Ann Arbor. We look forward to seeing how you guys all compete in Baja SA Rochester. Speaking of that, on the next episode, we'll be talking to Marty Gordon from Baja SAE Rochester about his event. Make sure you subscribe to us on Stitcher and iTunes so you don't miss out on any episodes. We'll see some of you later this week. Be safe. Thanks for listening to Baja SAE Shop Talk. As always, we want to hear from you. So email BajaSAE at SAE.org. The show notes for this episode, as well as all others, can be found at www.bajasae.net slash podcast. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next episode. That will get cut. <laughs> we are working on a blooper reel. Yeah, I bet. <laughs>